morning, everybody. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can gather in this way. Would you please give us your spirit as we turn now to your word? Would you please give me your spirit as I seek to teach these things faithfully? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome again to Current. My name is David. When I was in college, I was a leader through a ministry organization called Young Life. Young Life is all about reaching out to high school students to tell them about Jesus. Every Friday night, we'd gather a big group of high school students and do club, not church service, but club, where we'd throw a bunch of wacky games, we'd play some songs, and then there'd be a short talk about how much God loves you and sent his son to die for you and wants to be in relationship with you. Then in the summer, we'd go to camp. We'd take a big group of folks up to uh, Woodleaf, which is up uh, north of Sacramento, often these, this beautiful like forest, uh, wooded area. And the campgrounds are just amazing. And their whole goal there was to give these high school students the best week of their lives. And Young Life really delivered on that. I mean, there was sports equipment all over the, the campgrounds. There was ropes course. There, were, uh, there was a big lake that people could go out and kayak on, swim in. There was a huge blob, which if, you, if you've never seen a blob before, it's this massive tube of compressed air the size of like two room lengths long sit out on this edge where the water was and then somebody would jump off uh, from a platform onto this side and just launch that person way up into the air splashing into the lake I mean one year we actually had an NFL lineman uh, retired uh, come out uh, to Woodleaf that year to Young Life and we also had a, a girl I don't know she must have been about 70 pounds and he launched her, I mean, it must have been something like four stories high into the air. It was incredible. Uh, the breakfast was amazing. Even as a leader, a poor college student myself, I was just like, this breakfast is amazing. Unlimited bacon. You can just imagine how much the high school students, especially the boys, just loved that. Best week of your life. We, and then we would do club every, uh, every night at camp. Not church service, club. Again, games, music, songs, and then there'll be a talk at the end of every club talking about how much God loves you and wants to be in relationship that he sent his son to die for you. And then after each talk, uh, we would all go to our cabins and do a little bit of time of reflection. Well, on the last day of camp, at the last club, the speaker would send out all the kids to just go have a time alone reflecting. They would go off and gather under a tree or near their cabin, just a space where they could be alone and just think about what they had learned that week and reflect on maybe what God was inviting them into. Then after about 15 minutes of that, we'd gather everybody back up again in the main auditorium uh, to finish off that club, to finish off camp. And the speaker would hold what we called our say-so. We throw this big say-so event where anybody, any student who had made a faith decision to follow Jesus could say so. Be brave, stand up, and say so. I remember one year, the first to go up was this high school uh, senior, one of those, you know, too cool for school kind of guys who was all week walking around with his chest puffed up, just strutting around. Well, he, he stood up there, first person to share at the say-so, and said, you know, I came here knowing this was a Christian thing, making fun of my friends for this being a Christian thing, coming basically because I knew it would be a lot of fun and there were some pretty girls coming that I wanted to be around. 
And then I started to hear these talks each night and they hit me square between the eyes. And I realized, oh my goodness, there is a God. He loves me and he sent his son Jesus to die for me. And guys, right out there by that oak tree, I just put my faith in Jesus. And everybody just roared and cheered for this guy. And, and then the next student got up and said, there say so. And then the next student got up and said, there say so. Just such a, music, uh, a moving, powerful time of camp. I love that. It wasn't until recently that I discovered that these say-sos, that, that, that a say-so is biblical. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 107. We're going to be looking at the first three verses. Psalm 107, if you don't have a Bible, the words will be up on your screen. But the psalmist wrote, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the foe and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. This is saying that God has gathered, is gathering, and has redeemed people from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, experiences, uh, from different faith journeys, from the, from the east, the west, the north, the south, that we, that we all have different stories that he's gathering and he's redeemed so many people from different kinds of walks of life. Uh, later in the psalm, it goes on to describe how uh, people he's gathered and redeemed people who are lost, guilty, sick, storm-tossed, people with just different stories. We say every week at Current that Current is a community following Jesus together, and you're welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. We all have different faith journeys and different faith stories. I love celebrating the baptisms last Sunday when we got to hear Susan and Flavi share their stories of how God pursued them and how they ultimately put their faith in him. It was, it was really fun. I, you know, I was, I was amazed at how I had been there in person for the baptism. And yet still, when we celebrated together online collectively, I teared up. <laughs> It's like, that's how powerful a movie was for, for me. And I'll, I'll never forget that during one of those services, after Flavi had been baptized, somebody in the chat section said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Flavi has an atheist dad, a Muslim mom, and she herself is a Lakers fan. And yet she found Jesus. Tell me how that's not a miracle. And then the Lakers fans uh, all responded, not so amused. We, we all have different stories. God gathers us. He's redeemed us. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What this psalm invites us into, calls followers of Jesus into, is to talk about his goodness to us and how we are in relationship with him. Not to shrink back, not to shy away, but to look for opportunities to say so and point people to Jesus. Well, one of the biggest ways as followers of Jesus that we are to do this, perhaps the most important way of all, is through baptism. Baptism, in a sense, is publicly declaring our faith in Jesus. And since we just celebrated two baptisms last week, we have three more coming up in the next several weeks with baptism on our minds and us being in between a sermon series. I thought this would be a good chance to kind of pause and dig a little bit deeper into this important subject of baptism, what it is and why it's so important. Because if you've put your faith in Jesus and have never had the opportunity or never have yet stepped into being baptized, uh, there's no perhaps more important way to say so about your faith than to take this as your next step. 
Well, it seems to me that we tend to consider baptism from one of two perspectives. One, we can, we can easily underemphasize the importance of baptism. We can easily say things like, oh, I don't think it's really for me, or oh, I'll probably get to baptism uh, at some point. But we fail to see that the Bible makes a big deal about baptism. In fact, it was this week that I realized I, had, I have not yet, until today, really given this so important of a topic a focus like we, ha- like we are today in a sermon. We are to make a big deal about baptism because the Bible makes a big deal about baptism. First, Jesus made a big deal about baptism. In his famous commissioning of the church, he talked about the importance of baptism. You know, as a culture, we're really big on mission statements that companies and nonprofits, they need to have mission statements. You have to have a vision statement, a mission statement. Well, Jesus gave us his mission statement for his church in Matthew 28, when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He's saying right up there with the importance of making disciples, right up there with with the importance of teaching disciples to, to obey everything that I've commanded is baptism. Jesus made a big deal about baptism. He commanded it. In fact, it's our first act of obedience that we ought to do when we put our faith in him to be baptized. What's also really interesting is he not, he not only commanded that we be baptized, but he modeled for us to be baptized, which is an interesting thought because why would Jesus have been baptized? Baptism, after all, is a picture of what he has done for us. When we go under the water, you know, it's, it's showing how, it's picturing for us how we die to our sin. We're being cleansed of our sin by what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then when we come up out of the water, it's a picture of us coming into new life because of what he has done. The Bible's clear that Jesus lived a perfect life. He didn't need He didn't need to be forgiven of any sin or cleansed of any sin. No, he lived a perfect life, and yet he was baptized. Why was that? Well, in big part, his baptism served kind of a different purpose than does for us, in that it was kind of his inauguration for his formal ministry. It served as his inauguration towards his life of ministry and ultimately culminating in his death and resurrection for us. But I have a sneaky feeling that he was also baptized in order to take away an excuse that we might otherwise have. And that is, I don't need to be baptized because Jesus was never baptized. And I'm going to just do what Jesus does. And yet we can't do that because Jesus modeled for us to be baptized. He commanded that we be baptized. He modeled for us that we ought to be baptized. It was a big deal to Jesus that we be baptized. Um, it's a big part of how the, the redeemed of the Lord are to say so, to tell of God's redemptive work in their lives, to be baptized. But it wasn't just Jesus who made a big deal about baptism. The early church made a big deal about baptism. In fact, every example that I can think of in the Bible of someone putting their faith in Jesus is immediately baptized. The only exception to that was the thief on the cross. And and throughout all of the book of Acts, the early historical record of the church, you see time and time again, when people put their faith in Jesus, they are immediately baptized. In Acts 2, when the apostle Peter preached to the crowds and they decided to put their faith in Jesus, they asked, what must we do? And he, he replied, be baptized. 
And then in Acts 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch was uh, decided to put his faith in Jesus, he immediately was baptized with, with, uh, at, in the river right next to where he was standing on the side of the road. And then in Acts 10, when the Roman centurion Cornelius put his faith in Jesus, immediately he and his family were baptized. And then in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer put his faith in Jesus, immediately he and his family were baptized. Baptism was a big deal to Jesus. Baptism was a big deal to the early church. Therefore, we need to make it a big deal as a church community and as followers of Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, when I'm talking to a, a, a group the size of our church, invariably there'll be some of you who are baptized, say, as, a, as an infant, or maybe you were baptized when you were at, of an age where you understood things, but you hadn't yet for yourself made a decision to follow Jesus. Like it wasn't something that you for yourself had made the decision. I think baptism is such an important thing that we ought to have a marker in place that we ourselves remember. That's not to take away from the excitement of when your parents uh, baptize you as an infant, if this is you. But there, I think there's baptism is such an important thing that we ought to be able to remember as our own marker. I mean, think about it. When, when we fall in love with Jesus for all that he has done for us, for who he is, for how he forgives us and cares for us and accepts us, I think that's something we ought to remember with a, a marker like baptism in our own lives. In fact, that's actually uh, part of my story. I was baptized as a baby, and it was a very meaningful thing for, for my parents, for my family. But when I got to the age where I understood things and I, and I decided to make a faith decision to follow Jesus for myself, I decided to be baptized. By the way, that was also a very special time for, for my family at, at that moment. But it's a, it's a day that I always look back and remember as a very significant moment as I just said, God, I follow you. I'm yours. I've heard baptism described in a way, it's kind of like wearing a wedding ring. Like, you know, if I were to take off this wedding ring, it doesn't mean that I'm now somehow no longer married to Cindy. Uh, no, it, but this wedding ring serves as a reminder of that day when I stood up in front of everybody, in front of God, and I vowed my commitment to Cindy. But baptism is a day that we remember our saying, you know, I'm, I'm committed to following you, Jesus. I had a pastor friend uh, ask his church congregation one time, what's the difference between dating and marriage? He waited for a response and several people yelled out, commitment. And he said, you know, it's funny, we never get that wrong. We all know that commitment is the difference between dating and marriage. And then he said this, some people, it's as if they're dating God. It's time to put on the wedding ring, as it were. It's time to be baptized let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, we can underemphasize baptism, but we also overemphasize baptism. And really, the, the sum of this thought is baptism doesn't save us. Only what God has done for us, received by faith, can save us. But some feel like they have to get baptized or they have to have their baby baptized just in case so that they, they know that they're good before God. But this goes against all that the Bible says about the gospel. In fact, all of the book of Galatians essentially talks about this idea that if we add anything to the gospel, we lose the gospel. 
What's the, what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that because of what he has done for us, received by faith, by dying on the cross for our sins, that when we put our faith in him, we receive what he has done for us and being brought into a new and, and restored relationship with God, we are saved, we are gathered, we are redeemed by God. We can only receive that by faith. It's only something God himself has done for us. And so the minute we start to say, okay, you have to believe in Jesus and what he's done for you, but you also must, fill in the blank, be a good person or go to church or say your prayers or be baptized. The minute we say, hey, believe in Jesus, yes, but also be baptized is the minute we're forgetting that, no, the only way we're saved is purely because of what Jesus has done for us only by what he has done for us, received by faith alone. Romans 9 verse, uh, excuse me, Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 articulated very well by saying this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Notice as it's talking about how we are saved here, baptism isn't even a part of the equation. And yet here we have the two questions that really I'm asking whenever I baptize anybody. If you've ever been with us as we've celebrated baptisms at Current, you know that I asked two questions before, right before I baptized the individual. And it's directly from texts like these. The first question I ask is, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that God the Father raised him again on that third day, that you can have life with him because of what he's done for you? Yes. And do you commit with his help from this day forward to following him as best you can? Yes. Essentially, I'm asking two questions. Is Jesus your savior and is Jesus your Lord? And if the answer to both of these questions is yes, then you are ready to be baptized. Baptism doesn't save us. Baptism is a sign and seal, an outward expression of something that has already happened on the inside when we put our faith in Jesus. And it is a way for the redeemed of the Lord to say so, to point to Christ and that we follow him. So today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if he is your savior, and if he is your Lord, and you've never been baptized, well, the next step for you is straightforward. It's to be baptized. And you don't need to wait. In fact, there's plenty of places in the Bible that I've already referenced that as soon as people put their faith in Jesus, they were immediately baptized. There was no baptism class. Uh, you know, again, in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized, he's like, look, there's some water. Should I, just, should I just be baptized? And the answer was, yes, you should be baptized. And he was baptized. Our team is ready and knows how to do this in a safe way with social distancing in mind, even during shelter in place. You know, in some respects, I almost feel like this is a special time and very unique time to be baptized because it's it's a way for you to say, you know what, with how important this is, I, I don't I want to go ahead and do this. Makes me think of some of the couples at Current who've been married recently who are just saying, you know what, as much as we wish we could do this big ceremony and celebrate with everybody, do our vows before people there, uh, we'll celebrate later, but here, now, before the Lord, unto Him, honoring Him and, and doing the best we can to follow. We want to get married now and not wait. Baptism is the very first time that God wants us to stand up proudly and say so. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm proud of it. 
but it's also not the last time we are to say so. But sometimes we can be timid, can't we? I was remembering this week a time when I went out golfing. This was back in the day when on my day off, I'd go out golfing when I could. And, you know, golfing takes about four hours, at least if you're doing an 18-hole course. And whenever you go out golfing alone, you're, you're going to be partnered with a number of strangers. Typically, it's, it's a four, it makes up a foursome, so you'll be partnered with three strangers. So you're spending a lot of time with these other people. Well, I went out golfing on my day off to kind of unplug and not think about pastoral work, to just kind of release that and just, just have a day out there and just hang out. Well, I remember one time in particular, I was hanging out with these three strangers, and you spend a lot of time with them. You get talking to them. Well, the conversation was clearly starting to move towards the direction of, you know, I would have to say that I was a pastor. They were asking each other what they do for a living. And I knew the time was coming. And I knew and I, and I knew that, you know, if I said that I was a pastor, that would lead to a different discussion. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a play, I'm just, I just want to golf. My confessional to you. Well, I, when it came up, I just changed the subject. And, oh, hey, uh, let, me, let me go hit this ball real quick. And, you know, it came up again. I changed the subject again. Well, okay. Dodge the bullet there for a little bit. Towards the end of the day, towards one of the last holes, uh, my ball uh, fell right near one of another guy's ball, landed right near another guy's ball. And so he was up first. He got up while I was waiting, watching him. He got up to swing, took, took you know just a big swing and just royally shanked it. I mean, we're talking hit it way out of bounds, just not a good shot. And immediately out came some very colorful language. And he, he kind of like caught himself because he saw me and he said, oh, hey, hey, I'm really sorry to use that kind of language around you. And I said, hey, you don't have to apologize to me. You're, you know, you don't need to apologize to me. And he said, oh, yeah, I do. Because you're one of those Christian guys, aren't you? And I thought in that moment, oh, I've been had. And I, and I also realized, oh, my goodness, I had had so many opportunities to have a say-so conversation with this guy. It probably would have been a wonderful conversation just talking to him about about Jesus and, you know, my relationship with him and how he could be in a relationship with him. I had had an opportunity to that, but I didn't, we could so easily be timid, shy away from say-so conversations. But if God has done the wonderful work in our lives that he has done, sending his son to die for you and for me, that he loves you so much that he's forgiven you of things that you just so regret and you feel you feel bad about. That, that he loves you so much that every day is a new day. He loves you so much that he, he, he accepts you exactly as you are, but also loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to remain as you are. How can we not be proud of that? How can we not share people and, and, and talk about them to say so? Not in an arrogant way. Not in a, you know, I'm a better person than you type way, but no, no, with, with gentleness and with respect. How can we find ways to just point people to God's love and goodness that he's, reflect, you know, he's shown us and that he makes available to them as well? How can we find ways to say so? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time that we have uh, together, that you've gathered us. Um, from the east, from the, the west, from the north, and from the south, from all sorts of backgrounds and experiences and, and faith journeys. Um, and thank you for redeeming us. Would you, would you please help us find ways to say so, to, to let us, the redeemed, say so. For those who haven't uh, been baptized, who, 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 are, who are followers of you, I pray that you would move in their hearts. And for those who, who have been baptized, I pray that you would give us 
opportunities, including during shelter in place, to share your great love in Christ. Uh, we pray this all in his name. Amen. All right, well, let's continue this time of worship through song now.